0: Six, Job chapter six, and we're going to be looking at Job's reply to his friend Eliphaz <clears throat> uh, after Eliphaz makes uh, some incredibly harsh accusations uh, to Job. Um, Verses, uh, or me, in chapters uh, four and five, <clears throat> Job replies in chapter six, and. We talked about last week uh, a little bit of the book of James. James is incredibly, yeah, James. Yeah, that's a book in the Bible too. Uh, James talks about the tongue in, in a way that no, really nobody else in Scripture does. Uh, he just kind of lays it out there. And he's kind of brutally honest about the the, the the power that we have in our tongue. So I, I, I meant to tell you to turn to James also. So put your put your bulletin or something there in Job uh, or your ribbon or whatever. And then turn over to James chapter three. I'm sorry, I meant to tell you to do that. But James is just incredibly honest uh, in his um, evaluation. Of, of the tongue. Now, uh, James chapter 3, uh, if I didn't tell you that part. Um, who is James? Okay, he's the half-brother of, of our Lord. And <clears throat> I, I don't know, but I would say, because of being in the same household of, as Jesus growing up, he had to have seen a contrast between the way Jesus talked and the way the world talked. And and I can't help but wonder um, how that contrast uh, helped this portion of Scripture. Does that make sense? I, I could be all wrong, but it's just something I've I've often wondered. But in James chapter 3, he starts off in verse six uh, talking about the tongue, and he says, "The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among uh, our members, that it defileth the whole body and set on fire uh, the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell." That, that, that's brutal. I mean, he's just being honest. He goes on in verse seven, <clears throat> and every a uh, kind of beast and of bird and a serpent and things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed uh, of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And <clears throat> he makes again, he makes some very stark comments here. Uh, he calls it a fire. What is what does fire do? It destroys. It, it consumes it destroys it's it's destructive he uses a phrase here he says it's a world of iniquity uh i don't know you know that we read these things in scripture and oftentimes we read them but we oftentimes maybe don't totally understand what that phrase means it means that the that the the, the tongue can be um in a sense uh, in, uh, in injustice it, it has the idea of being uh, 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 of not always being truthful and 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 not being just. It says it defileth the whole body. I I don't know about you, but I I read that phrase and 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 I can't. You know what? It, it, it we bring it on ourselves. It defileth our bodies. We allow it to destroy us sometimes. It says, the next phrase is, it sets on fire the course of nature. And I, I honestly, I, I had to do a lot of research to try and figure out exactly what that phrase meant. And and, and literally, it is it, it, the, the phrase literally means the cycle of things to come. So, you know, I, I started thinking about it. I thought, okay, how does that apply to us today? It, it, you know what, our tongues can affect our lives in the future. What we say today, can it not affect what happens in the future? The cycle cycle of things to come. You know, what goes around comes around, right? And and what we say, the things that we put in motion, oftentimes as as much as we would wish we could pull them back, we can't. How many times have we, and I'm, I've been guilty but I, countless times, I've, I've said things, and as, as it's rolling off my tongue, I, I'm wishing I could pull it back. Yeah, we've all been there. But what is it doing? It's setting, it, It's well, let me read the phrase out of, out of Scripture. It's setting on, uh, on fire the course of nature or the cycles of things to come. It is, a set of uh, a fire of hell. The word hell here is the word Gehenna. That means, the way I understand it, and again, I could be wrong, but the way I understand it is, that means that sometimes our words can literally affect somebody going to hell. That's a scary thought. So we, we can't, we can't, we can tame every beast of, of, of in nature. We can lions, tigers, bears. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> we can tame them all. But the tongue. He continues in verse nine. He says, "Therewith bless we God, even the Father." And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and and cursings. Oh, brethren, these things ought not to be so. Or, Or ought so not, anyway, whatever, I got it backwards. That's not how it's supposed to be. See, God has given each and every one of us an incredible tool called the tongue. And as we, as we saw last week with <clears throat> Eliphaz, and we're going to see it continue on through the, the book of Job, how the tongue is, is used as a weapon to, to tear down Job. And Eliphaz <clears throat> shows us how not to be a friend. Now we're going to look at Job's reply. The the title of my message tonight is <clears throat> insen in <laughs> insensitivity versus sympathy. Or no. Yeah, insensi- insensitivity versus sympathy. See, Job's friends were insensitive, were they not? And Job was looking for sympathy. And sensitivity just li- literally means a lack of feeling or a lack of tact. And I, I, I'm here to tell you there's a lot of Christians who lack feeling. Sympathy. I came across this definition. I liked it. It is a relationship between persons or things wherein whatever affects one similarly affects the other. The act of capacity of entering into or sharing the feelings or interest of another. In other words, connecting with somebody and then having sympathy for them. Eliphaz used his tongue to carve up Job in a very real way. You can go ahead and turn back to Job if you want. uh, Eliphaz uh, very eloquently used his tongue uh, to really hurt Job quite a bit. I, I have a a question I think is important: What should be the goal of a truly sympathetic Christian? In in, in the context of what we're talking about, when 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 you are with somebody who's who's hurting, and, and you're trying your best to be sympathetic to the to that person what ought to be our goal okay listening is is listening is part of it but that's 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 really not the goal um but it's definitely part of it what's what should be the goal to bring them back to god, to back to god. see that 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 needs to be the goal and and, and, nowhere, and in nowhere <laughs> in I I love the way god works you, you know uh, the other day, <clears throat> I was studying, and I, I was kind of processing, and I, I don't know how other pastors do, but I work through all this stuff in my head, and then I sit down and kind of put it in the, in the, on the on the computer, you know, in, in thoughts. And <clears throat> I had I was upstairs studying, and I came downstairs, and. Uh, I don't know, get a drink of water. I I don't know. I came downstairs, and Melanie Melanie says to me, hey, I need to share a verse with you. And I went, okay. So she shares this verse with me, and it is exactly what I needed for for, for, for right now. Can anybody tell me who David was? Okay, he was a man after God's own heart, but who 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 was he? Okay, he was the he was the second king of Israel. Actually, he was the third king of Israel. Okay, shepherd boy. He was the guy who took out Goliath. Okay, can anybody tell me who his best friend was? Jonathan. Who who was Jonathan? He was the son of Saul, who was the king the first king of Israel. Okay. So, <clears throat> as I was thinking about what should be the goal of every sympathetic Christian when dealing with somebody who's really going through a hard time, I thought of Jonathan. First <clears throat> Samuel chapter 23, verses 15 and following says, And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life and david was in the wilderness of ziph in the wood and jonathan his son arose and went to david into the wood and strengthened his hand in god what what did jon what was jonathan's goal to bring david back to god cuz he knew david was discouraged he knew that <clears throat> david David was literally running for his life and his best friend went out and, and you, you've got to understand, David was a wanted man. And if, John, if, if, if Saul, excuse me, Jonathan's dad, Saul, had found out what Saul had been doing, what Jonathan had been doing, there's too many names here, Saul could have had his own son killed. He was putting, literally putting his own life on the line. But because he was his friend and he had sympathy for his friend, that didn't matter. He needed to help David get back to God. What an incredible verse. And it goes on, and he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I I shall uh, be next unto thee, and that also Saul, my father, knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. And David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Did Did Jonathan accomplish what he set out to do? Absolutely, he did. See, that ought to be the goal of every believer who's trying to reach out to somebody who's going through a difficult time. And what Alaphez and his, his, his buddies forgot uh, with Job is the fact that they, they weren't concerned about having sympathy on Job, they were more concerned about their own problems. Eliphaz missed the mark, if you would. See, we need to understand and remember that the tongue is an incredible tool that God has given each and every one of us. And it's the tongue that can build people up. And it's the tongue that can literally tear people down. As we look at Job's reply to Eliphaz, we see Job's got two passionate appeals. In chapter 6, we see that <clears throat> the first appeal is to his three friends. And, and basically, in a nutshell, what Job is saying here is please show me a little sympathy and understanding. Don't, don't be so harsh. And then in chapter 7, Job continues, and his appeal in chapter 7 is to God himself. And that is to have mercy on me and lighten my load. I, I don't know how many times <laughs> I've I've prayed that prayer to God. God, I know you bring things into my life to test me, to stretch me, to grow me, but okay. Uh, can Can we just lighten the load just a little? I need to... I need to breathe. How many of you ever felt like you just need to breathe? Amen. And that's what Job is doing in chapter 7. So point number one, let's look at uh, chapter 6 here and Job's appeal to his friends. Verse 1, it says, But Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were thoroughly weighed. And my calamity laid at the balance there together. For now, it would be uh, heavier than the the sand of the sea. Therefore, my words are swallowed up. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at this passage of scripture, help us, dear God. Help us, dear God, to... Understand the importance of learning how to be sympathetic. We love you and we thank you, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. See what 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 did Eliphaz do? Eliphaz comes in and he and he dumps this theological load, if you would, on Job about everything he's doing wrong. Now I I don't know about you, but that th- that that is not. <laughs> That's not how you show show sympathy. And you, at least the way I read it, Job, Job's reply in chapter 6 is not just to Eliphaz, but to all three of his friends. Because I believe that Job understands that all three of his friends agree with Eliphaz. Jonathan, David's friend, got it. He understood his friend needed a sympathetic hand. See, Job's three friends came in and they sat with him for seven days and they still didn't get it. But Jonathan got it. In fact, well, I, 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 Ezekiel chapter three, verse 15, Then I, it, it says, "And then I came to them of the uh, captive, uh, captivity of Tel that dwell in the city of uh, Shebar, and I sat where they sat, and remembered or excuse me, and remained there astonished among them seven days. And if you and basically what, what's happening here in Ezekiel is Ezekiel goes to this place and he sits with them for seven days and he gets it. It finally gets it and he, and he's he's astonished of the of the of the, the 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 situation that's going on. Ezekiel got it. And sympathy sometimes <clears throat> In our society, is a hard thing to find. Sometimes, we we live in a society, and and I'm guilty of saying these these next two phrases. I've said them both. Suck it up and get over it. I I you know uh, oh call one eight hundred. Oh uh, here's another one I've used. Oh build a bridge and get over it. You know, and, and, and oftentimes we, we, and I want to clear, I want to make one thing for, I am not talking about snowflakes who get their feelings hurt, you know, their, their dog sneezes and they, they just melt down. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are really going through it. And we had this tendency in our society today, you know, hey, I didn't cause your problem. Why? 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 Why should I? You know? Why should I be sympathetic towards you? You're the one. You know? And, and we have this, this, this attitude almost sometimes that 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 <clears throat> we don't need to be sympathetic, and and that is anything but true. In verses one through three, Job in a nutshell. Is telling his three friends, "Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't understand. I'm just, I just need somebody to, to, to at least try and understand what I'm going through." Now, now the reality is this: Can we, in every detail, understand what every person is going through? We, we can't do it. But we can be sympathetic. We can try and understand. We can sit with them and listen to them and cry with them. Oftentimes, <clears throat> you know, I got a I got a call um, yesterday morning uh, for the sheriff's department. Got I got a call for uh, somebody down in Errington needed a chaplain, so <clears throat> I called. The uh, chaplain down in Erington and said, "Hey, can you can you respond?" And so he called me a couple hours later and said, "You know, told me what had happened, and and he said basically they just needed me to come and just pray with them." And I said, "Praise the Lord, that's that's what you need to do. That's what you know as a chaplain. Oftentimes that's what we do. We just go in and we're sympathetic. Hey, I'm sorry for your loss, and you know sometimes a family just needs somebody to pray with them." And he said one of one of the lady the lady that died, one of her daughters was on the cell phone and, and they had you know while he was praying, she was listening and you know, trying to give comfort. In verses four to six here, uh, uh he, he makes an interesting statement which I, I, I I'm still trying to wrap my head around. I don't understand quite twi- quite all of what he's saying. But he says, for, for the arrows of the Almighty are, are within me. The poison thereof drinketh up my spirit. The terror of God is, uh, uh, does, the, the, do set uh, themselves in array against me. And, and what he's saying here is, is God is shooting poison arrows at me. Now, now, d- okay, let me ask you a question. Does God ever do that? No. But when you are in that kind of distress, can it not feel like it sometimes? The, the best way I, I have been able to wrap my head around that that particular verse right there is the fact that you know what, there are times when you are in distress and it just it just feels like God's against you. And that's where Job was. When a person is in a, an extended period of time with severe pain, as Job was, it can easily drive someone to a point of hopelessness. And we, and we we've talked about this a, a few a couple of weeks ago. But look at verse 11 in our in our passage here. <clears throat> Why is why is my stre- uh, what is my strength that I should hope, and what is mine end that I should prolong my life? Does that sound like somebody who has no hope? Absolutely, it does. And oftentimes, when we go down the road of hopelessness we end up on another road called uselessness, which is even worse. And, and when we get to the end of uselessness, there's no point in living. That is one reason why in our society today, suicide rate is so high. Never before have so many felt so useless. Last week I read a quote from a guy named Warren Wiersbe. I want to read it again. It says, A wise counselor and comforter must listen with the heart and respond to feelings as well as to Words. You do not heal a broken heart with logic. You heal a broken heart with love. Yes, you must speak the truth, but be sure to speak the truth in love. In verses 14 to 30, Job describes the ineffectiveness of his friends. Look at verse 14. To him that is... uh, 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 afflicted, pity should be shown from his friends. Whoa! <laughs> but he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. My brethren have dwelt deceitfully as as a brook, and as the stream of the brook, they they pass away. And and Job again uh, down through verse thirty. Just is just reminding them. You know what? You're not very good friends. You know, I, I I needed you to come here. I needed you to 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 sympathize with me, to, to 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 help me. But all you're doing is telling me what I'm doing wrong. That's not that's not good. That's not what a good friend does. Now, I want to I want to go back to First Samuel for just a moment. I want to show you something, a statement. I don't know if you caught it or not in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 23, with, when Jonathan and David were talking. But in verse 17, let me read verse 17 to you again. He says, uh, and, he, and, and he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be the next unto thee. And that also Saul knoweth well. Now, let, let me let me ask you, Okay, if Saul is the king of Israel and Jonathan is his son, who is the next king? Jonathan. But Jonathan says here, David, you are going to be the next king and I will be second unto you. Basically, Jonathan is abdicating the throne. Now, I I don't know about you, but that to me is incredibly powerful. What, What demonstration of friendship, or excuse me, what better demonstration of friendship than that? That Jonathan knew that it was God's will that David be the next king, and he was willing to step aside and allow that to happen. Point number two. So we saw David's appeal to his friends and then we see uh, Job's appeal to his friends and then we see Job's appeal to God in uh, chapter uh, 7, verse 1. Is there not an an appointed time to man upon the earth? Are not his days also like the days of, of the hireling? As a servant uh, earnestly desireth the shadow, and as a hireling look for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess the months of vanity and and wearisome nights and and appointed to me. See, we see here... Uh, oh let, let's read verse 4 and when i lay down i say uh, when shall i arise and the night the night be gone and i am full of tossing to and fro unto the dawning of the day basically in a nutshell what 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 job is saying here to god is that my 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 nights are sleepless my days are worthless what is the point of me existing what i you know he 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 just he's just being honest with god he's like i don't get it i can't sleep at night and when i am awake i'm absolutely useless i can do nothing i all i can do is is almost cry in pain what what is the point what why am why am i why is my life being drug out so to speak and then he says in verse 6 he says uh, my days uh are swifter than a weaver's shuttle <clears throat> and are spent without hope now what is a weaver's shuttle it's the rod they... okay it's yeah, it's the rod that they it's a string is attached to a rod and and they 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 fling it back and forth when they're doing their doing their 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 things i don't know i i've seen them yeah looms that's what it is <clears throat> now, have you ever seen a weaver that's really good? I mean, it's it's like lightning, just. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. I mean, it it is really almost memori- me- mesmerizing watching a good weaver go at it. I mean they are. I mean it's it's and that is, that is what Job is likening his life to. It is just being tossed to back and forth, just back and forth. Now, if that ain't hopeless, I don't know what is. And Job brings into the conversation here. <clears throat> well, let, let's go back to chapter six real, real quick and look at verse nine. Chapter six, verse nine. He says, "Even that it would please God to destroy me, that He would lose, uh, excuse me, let loose His hand." And cut me off. I, I found out through through some study, the three words "cut me off" is a is a Hebrew phrase that weavers used when they were cutting loose what they had just woven. And what Job is bringing into the conversation with God is what we would call today the brevity of life. Life is so fast, it's it's done. I, I, I just want to be done with it. I remember back about a year before I was saved. I was still in high school, I was I was by myself one night and <clears throat> I don't know what happened, but I I I just I, I just got alone and I started thinking about the future. I was, you know, I was 18 years old, I was getting ready to high, graduate from high school, and a thought came to me, what is life about? And I thought, wow, that's a good question. And, I, I, and I, my, my first response was to, to look at my mom and dad. And I looked at my mom and dad and I thought, I don't want to live the life they live. We lived in the suburbs of California, uh, down in Southern California. My mom and dad drove two and a half hours one way to work. Two and a half hours back every day. I, I, I don't want to do that, that. That's not living to me, you know. And I'm not. Please don't think I'm criticizing my parents, because that's not the point. And I remember sitting there thinking there has to be more to life than working from the age of 18 to the age of 65, retiring and dying. There's got to be more to life than that. And I, I remember sitting there in my car, and if you know where Corona is, down in Southern California, back in the 70s, there were orange groves, and lots of orange groves. And I remember sitting in it, back in those orange groves, all by myself, thinking, there has to be a God. Now, I did not know that God, but I knew there was a God, and I knew, how I knew, I don't know, but I just knew that the purpose for my life was tied up somehow in that God. I, I, I just knew it. And that started a quasi-search for God. Now, I didn't know what I was searching for, and I did a really lousy job at it. In fact, it was God who sought me out. But it was that night that I realized what Job just said was wrong. There is purpose to life. And I'm here to tell you that God has a purpose for every life. I want to close with two thoughts. First, I want to read, the first thought I want to, is that I want to reread James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. My first thought is this. I want to challenge you. What does is, what is your tongue look like? or Excuse me. What does it sound like? Are there some things maybe that need to change in your life and your tongue? I can't answer that question. Only you can answer that. The second thing I want to challenge you with is this. You don't heal a broken heart with logic. You heal a broken heart with love, sympathy, and caring. We can all do a little bit better at being sympathetic. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, for the work that you do in our lives.